1: Good morning everybody it is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Hayesville, north carolina welcome to a friday morning wake-up call on sports country radio the sun's finally come out down here in uh, north Carolina. carolina's so pretty happy about that those of you uh, listening up in new england stay warm i saw that they uh, were actually closing schools in boston And uh, I I think I read in Connecticut as well, parts of Connecticut, some of the school systems were calling it off. Uh, Wind chill temperatures are supposed to be well below zero. Air temperatures are supposed to be below zero uh, in the Boston area the next couple of days. Good Lord. Uh, So uh, please uh, stay safe up there. I'm I'm coming up there, by the way. I'll be up in Connecticut uh, in a few weeks. So I'd appreciate it if you could turn the heat on before I get there. Uh, Dan Zapano of the Sunday Card Podcast coming up here in a couple of minutes. Uh, we've got lots to get to this morning with Dan, so we're going to get to him uh, very quickly here uh, so that we don't run too far over time this morning. Um, one thing I wanted to get to before uh, we have our thing with Dan, it was a, a story came out yesterday about the Baltimore Orioles. Now, the Orioles have, in my mind, the best ballpark in in baseball. And you know, considering that ballpark has been open for what 25 30 years now, it's amazing to me that it has stood the test of time. And it is for me the the best ballpark I've ever been to. The fan experience there is great. I've never I've been to Camden Yards several times, never sat in a bad seat. Uh, you know, the uh, it's done a great job of revitalizing that inner harbor area. Uh, I just love it. Well, the Orioles only have um, a year left on their lease at Camden Yards. And they had a deadline um, yesterday or two days ago to extend th- that lease for five years. And the team declined that. So their lease at Campton Yards expires at the end of the year. Now, does that mean that the Orioles are going to leave Baltimore? I doubt it. But uh, if, if Peter Angelos, who owns the uh, Orioles, is actually being sued by his brother right now, uh, a little family squabble over the control of the team, and part of this is that his brother alleges that Angelos wants to move the team to Nashville because that's where he and his wife live. Um, and for his part, Angelos did not uh, exactly dispel that. Uh, he said that uh, he said, uh, uh, "I'm looking forward to continuing to collaborate with the governor and the administration, the Maryland Stadium Authority, to bring Baltimore the modern, sustainable, electrifying sports and entertainment destination the state of Maryland deserves." Uh Hang on a second. Everybody already loves it. So you know what that tells me? That tells me what Angelos is doing right now is he is going to try to hold the state and the city hostage and say, you got to do more. I want this, 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 and this, or I'm going to move my team. I don't think they will. I think this is a, uh, a bit of a staring down contest right now to see who has the most nerve. Baltimore cannot afford to lose the Orioles. That area cannot afford to lose the Orioles. There is a, the, the Orioles uh, are putting a better product on the field now. They're making money. This isn't about money. This isn't, and this isn't like a situation where uh, the trop, Tropicana Field for the Tampa Bay Rays, which is a dump, uh, where the A's play in uh, Oakland, which is a dump. It's not about that. This is simply about greed and wanting more and more and more because that's what these owners do so I don't think they'll leave but it's something worth keeping an eye on um, you know I, and this and and don't discount the the lawsuit by his brother There may you know usually where there's smoke there's fire and of course you know when uh, he was asked a couple of weeks ago, about a uh, his long-term commitment to Baltimore. A reporter asked him that in a news conference. Angelos was uh, not exactly encouraging. He was pretty cagey about it. And he said, and, and he got a little bit defensive about it. So, something to keep an eye on. I don't think it'll happen. And Baltimore... There should be a team in Baltimore forever. And Camden Yards is, look, every ballpark ages. That ballpark has aged better than Elizabeth Taylor aged. You know, Elizabeth Taylor was uh, beautiful almost to the day she died. She was unbelievable the way she aged. Well, Whether she had work done or not, I don't know. I don't care. But, you know, I wish I could age as well as Camden Yards has. So, you know, I, I don't think they'll leave, but it's something definitely to keep an eye on. 13 minutes past yeah, We're going to take a break. When we come back, Dan Zampano will join us. You're listening to The Wake-Up Call on Sports Country. Welcome back to The Wake-Up Call, and as we are every Friday, we are thrilled to be joined by Dan Zampano of the Sunday Card to talk NFL football. Dan, we've got a lot to get to. We'll get to last week's NFL uh, to the championship games in a minute, uh, but we've got to start with – uh, the guy that's been uh, the quarterback of your lifetime, right? Tom Brady finally mm-hmm. finally says he's done. What's it going to be like for you waking up on a football Sunday and having no Tom Brady in your life? Um, You know, I'll probably crawl in a hole and <laughs> and, and in fetal
0: position some way. I mean, I, I think in reality it's like every one of us who grew up in the late 90s early 2000s uh that's all we know right uh for football you know and if you're a patriots fan it's literally all you know if you are 30 and below that's all you know as a football fan i came in on the tail end because i was super young with but and you know remember the game in which he was knocked out of the game but i mean that's my first recollection, and as I say all the time, it's like buying Apple stock in 1984 when I saw Tom Brady waltz into the game right. against the Jets in 01. And I think, uh, you know, it it reflects a, a period is over here. We are now in the new age of quarterbacks. I think officially, I know Aaron Rodgers is still out there, and you know we'll see what he does this off season. But we are in the new age of, you know, the new generation of quarterback the Mahomes, the Burrows, the Herberts, the Allens, Lamar Jacksons are now the, you know, front row ticket instead of Tom Brady who moved himself more not even into the pantheon of football and quarterback play, but really in the pantheon of sports in general.
1: Right. You put
0: him right up there with Michael Jordan as maybe the two greatest of all time in terms of sheer willingness to win. I think that's that's where you go with that so he will be obviously missed but i honestly think gene i think it is i think it's time yeah i do think it's time i think he's probably maybe in some ways regrets coming back this year he loves football there's no question i mean when you wake up and do the same thing for 30 straight years uh and i can imagine that it's very hard to walk away but he has sacrificed a lot publicly as we know and i think now it's time for him to find some peace
1: you know and and uh, I think you're right, the fact that that uh, that he that there's a part of him that has to regret it. I think you know and, and I don't know if if it if it if he knew his marriage was gonna was definitely gonna collapse if he came back if he would have done it. I don't even know if that's an issue. I think it's more of if he had known that the bucks were going to struggle as much as they did this year then I don't know if he would have come back. I think in his mind, he still thought that team could compete. Don't you?
0: Yeah, of course. And I think I think a lot of it was forced, but, you know, I don't think that team ever really had any identity. As I said all year long, he didn't have anybody to tell him no anymore. Yeah. You know, I mean, he was, he was doing it all on his own. He didn't have to answer to the coach. He didn't have to answer to his wife. He didn't have to answer to anybody. And, you know, that, that in the end, he can only do so much. And I think he realized at the end of the day here and looking at the landscape of the league with the Raiders and the Niners and the Dolphins, I do wonder how much those teams wanted them, Because at the end of the day, this is a one-year deal right? until the other watch. You know, so I don't think teams want to go into that and say, hey, you know, we'll take a year of Tom Brady. They want long-term stability. I mean, look at what Kyle Shanahan has dealt with the last couple of years. And, and the the amount of times, the amount of off-seasons in a row we've had to deal with who's going to play quarterback for the 49ers. Um, you know, I, I can see that being a hard thing for teams to swallow, and I, and I don't think that Tampa would have worked again. Not I think I Tampa is in full reset mode. I think they have to – Reset mode for them. So I think he made the right decision.
1: Well, and now, I mean, it, it's pro- there's probably a lot of general managers and, and owners around the league that actually uh, gave a sigh of relief when he retired. Because mm-hmm. now, if you're the 49ers, if you're the Houston Texans, if you're the Raiders, you're the t- Tennessee Titans, you don't have to have his name in the mix when you're thinking about how to move forward. So it kind of made people's lives a little bit less complicated with him stepping away, didn't it? Absolutely, because
0: now you're not looking at, oh, do we want to offer Tom Brady $30 million for a year to come play football? Right. I mean, and we can actually look towards – there's so many good young quarterbacks now. I mean, I'd like, man, the guys coming through the draft, the guys that are still available like in the marketplace – there's just too much now, and I think it would have. It, it it was kind of starting to become beneath Brady, to just do these you know one year rentals. It's like, what do you want to leave for your legacy? And I think I think at the end of the day, nobody can touch him. So at the end of the day, why come back for another year? I just you know I think I think again, it was a prudent decision on his part.
1: I, I will say this: the one thing about you know the Tom Brady, the one year rental yada. This to me. Of, of, of In my lifetime, and I've been around a lot longer than you, in my lifetime, this is perhaps the most, without a doubt, it's not even perhaps – the most successful older quarterback who has tried to "quote unquote" hang on. I mean, uh, you're too Correct. young to remember Joe Namath trying to play another year with the Los Angeles Rams on one, you know, on one leg. Uh, Johnny Unitas mm-hmm. coming back to play a year with the San Diego Chargers. You know, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. O.J. Simpson trying to play when his career was essentially over. Yeah. You know, I mean, the one thing that that we can say for Tom Brady is, I, I mean and I guess it speaks to who Tom Brady is, that his final year in the NFL, he sets NFL records. Regardless of how his team went, he set records for most completions, most attempts of the season. It's unbelievable.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, every year it's unbelievable. Like, I think for the last, I don't know, since 2018. Right. The last five years we've been saying – it's unbelievable what this guy does. Yeah, and nobody's ever done it at this I think Favre was really the closest and he was what 39 when yep. when he yep. got that Vikings team to the NFC championship game
1: and yep.
0: you know, I know Montana went to Kansas City later in his in his career and had some accomplishments but you know, I, I'd like you, there will never be another I mean people are projecting Patrick Mahomes already and God bless Patrick Mahomes if he's able to get there I mean no way um, he's got a he's got a he's got a monumental task but he is gonna put himself in rarefied air when, when he goes to the Super Bowl if he can win it so um, yeah yeah I, it'll never be duplicated again he's the best winner of all time. I don't think there's any question about that. You put him right up with the Jordan and Tiger, in, uh, in terms of winning. Yep. But I think the fire and the competitiveness, I haven't seen a player in any sport,
1: maybe outside of Michael Jordan, that has had what he has. Yeah, no question. Uh, well, and and to, to kind of piggyback on that, uh, one thing that uh, has come out almost immediately is the San Francisco 49ers have already decided that they are moving on from Jimmy Garoppolo, and they said Kyle Shanahan in a press conference yesterday said that he is perfectly comfortable with Brock Purdy and Trey Lance as his quarterback. So it sounds like not only do they not have to worry about Tom Brady, it sounds like Jimmy Garoppolo is definitely going to be finding a new home next year. And why would you you hang on to him? I mean,
0: at the end of the day, you're paying a backup slash third-string quarterback now you know starter money when you can just hold on to these two rookies and second year guys and third year guys uh and hold them on those contracts and, and force them to play in competition he is kind of the best of both worlds because he's got two young guys now right that are going to compete against each other so he's kind of living in la la land a little bit here with, with how he how his how his team is is built up and I'll be very interested to see. I don't think they're going to go out and sign anybody. I think they'll stick with what they have, and I think they'll go with the intellect of Purdy of that now we can see he has some athletic ability versus the unbelievable athletic ability of Lance. Can he put it all together in this offseason? I don't know. I honestly don't know. I, I want to see more from Trey Lance. I don't think we really know uh, what to expect from Trey Lance. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, it's going to be fascinating to see where he's at because I think we all know where Purdy is at this point.
1: I, I think the only question now is going to be is, and, and we'll get to more about his injury in the uh, NFC Championship game, but, you know, he tore that UCL, and he's either going, he's going to need Tommy John surgery or another kind of surgery. Mm. And, you know, at at best, he's ready for week one. And that means he's had really had no training camp, no preseason games, no nothing. So really, I mean, almost by default, if they're not going to sign somebody else, almost by default, they're starting the season with Trey Lance as their quarterback.
0: And maybe that's a great thing. You know, maybe that's a great thing because now Trey can finally get back to, okay, I have at least some stability on being, on being the starter and – and, and eventually, you know, Purdy can come in and replace him if they need to. So, right. again, 49ers, good position. They, they desperately, though, need to establish, hey, are these two guys the future? Because they're in win-now mode. They're paying a lot of guys without paying the quarterback. So, you know, the, uh, it would be wise on them to get it done next year,
1: you know. That makes sense. Uh, let's move on to uh, the big uh, other big news of the week. And that was the Denver Broncos giving up a first Ah. and second round pick to the New Orleans Saints for Sean Payton to become their head coach. And as I said the day that this broke, this better work because between what they gave up for Russell Wilson and what they gave up for Sean Payton, they have mortgaged their future for two guys and one of them doesn't even play on the, in the field. So they better hope that Sean Payton is as smart as they think he is and that he can fix Russell Wilson, no? Oh, 100%. I actually
0: thought that they got a pretty good deal for him. That they that they only gave up a first and a second and and they ended up getting a third back. Right. And, you know, at the end of the day, look, Denver is ready. They're built. Like there there's no there's no more, you know, oh, we got to add this guy, we got to add that guy. They've got a strong defense on three levels. Yeah, they could probably add a guy at the linebacker position. But they've got a strong defense there. They've got a decent offensive line. They've got two really solid running backs, or at least one solid running back right now. Uh, They've got a ton of really talented receivers. When healthy, are really, really good. And their quarterback's a veteran that I think just needs, you know, a real head coach that understands the game management part of things mm-hmm. and understands, you know, he's not, he's not just dealing the offense. It's, he's handling the whole team and can kind of, you know, point Russ in the right direction. And who better to do that than Sean Payton? Well, I mean, who better to do that? I mean, he's a, he's a super bowl winning head coach. He's of the Parcells ilk. I think those are things that, you know, I look for a coach and I say, yeah, that's checking a lot of boxes. So I, I really like the hire. I think it's a good hire. I liked their hire last year and that was didn't really work out well but it was uh it was it was you know when you think back to it, Nathaniel Hackett a lot of it probably he was masked by Aaron Rodgers and and having him be his quarterback I think Sean Payton's a real coach with real experience but we're going to see if he's a real coach in terms of is he masked by Drew Brees right We'll see. Well,
1: that, so, that, that, but yeah.
0: Russell Wilson is talented enough to be able to, to rise above, I think.
1: That's one of the things that, you know, I, I mentioned when, when he got hired, I was like, look, <laughs> you know, he had incredible success with the Saints, but he also had Drew Brees as his quarterback. And as soon as Drew Brees retired, he said, I'm out of here. You know, I mean, I want, you know, they yeah. they weren't prepared for Drew Brees to retire, they didn't have a plan B, and and you know I don't think they were prepared for all the injuries. You know, having Michael Thomas be constantly hurt, Alvin Kamara's, but you know suddenly Mister Fragile. I, I think he just saw the writing on the wall and said I'm out of here. So it will be interesting to me. It reminds
0: you. It reminds you of some, Reminds you of another team, doesn't it? <laughs> No plan, and the <laughs> coach doesn't have a plan for the quarterback of the future. Yeah, reminds me. Of yeah, somebody.
1: you know. Well, and 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 so you know, I guess we're going to find out if Sean Payton is as good as people think he is. And 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 if you're the Broncos, you, boy, man, you better hope so. Uh, you mentioned Bill Parcells. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Bill Parcells. Bill Parcells was on a uh, – uh, I think I, he was on some show this week. I can't remember what it was. But uh, he weighed in on the whole Tua situation down in Miami. Tua just got cleared from concussion protocols 38 days after he got a concussion, which, by the way, is a long time. Um, and Bill Parcells said Miami's nuts if they put too much stock in this guy. If they put all their eggs in that basket – Miami's in big trouble. I don't think there's any way anybody, including the owner of the Miami Dolphins, can argue with that. Do you? Oh, no. He'll find
0: a way. Don't worry. (laughs) I mean, and and even what's that. And, and, you know, I'll I'll sleep easy at night knowing that I've been saying what Parcells has been saying all along. Right. That Bill Parcells is saying that, I think I'll be okay. (laughs) Because you can't put this guy out there – Especially the fact, forget the talent side of it, because, you know, I could argue that all day long. Right. His health is at a major risk, and if they don't have a good backup plan, uh, this ain't going to work. It's it's just not. And if I was them, I would really explore options to say, okay, do we look at somebody in the draft that may not be as highly prized, per se, Mm we could still maybe take a look at him in the first round or the second round and say, okay, we're not going to pay a ton of capital on this. Let's at least consider it.
1: Give me a for instance. Give me a for instance. Who who, who would would that be?
0: Well, I'll give you – I'll say a guy like maybe Anthony Richardson from Florida. Okay, all right. You know, I I think that that would be a kid that – that would be a kid that, hey, maybe he's not all ready for the league, but he's got a ton of talent. And he can move. Uh, I mean, he he can move like you know a ballet dancer. He's like the Micah Parsons of of uh, of the offense. Okay. I mean, just a freak athlete with speed and size. I mean, you haven't really seen a lot of quarterbacks with his size that can move like him, um, a la Cam Newton. Okay. And he's not as big as Cam Newton, but he's getting he he's he's getting there. You now him and Will Levis are kind of the same uh, size. I think Will Levis, obviously, a better passer. But Richardson's got all the talent in the world to be a really good quarterback later on in the future. So um, he could be dynamic. I don't see why that couldn't be an option for him. Okay. Them.
1: All right. Um, the Texans have their man finally, and they bring home – Look, I think this was a good hire, not only because he was the, the defensive coordinator of the 49ers and obviously helped build that, uh, but the fact that he's kind of a, you know, he's a he's a hometown boy. He was drafted by the Texans. Demeco Ryans, I think, is going to be very popular, and I think they needed somebody because they're not ready to compete yet, but they needed somebody who is going to uh, have a little uh, capital in the bank, so to speak, when they get to, when they struggle for a year or two.
0: Yeah, the Texans have been shopping in the clearance section for corporate coaches the last couple of years. <laughs> yes, haven't? they have. I mean, yeah. they, <laughs> David Culley, the Lovey Smith, I mean, you, you just can't do that. And I think Casario needed to, to jump with the gun. I think they really wanted to hire Brian Flores last year, and obviously that wasn't able to happen. But I, I think this is probably he waited, and he jumped at the opportunity for this guy knowing – how t- highly touted he was. And, you know, I think that the the idea of, you know, Jonathan Gannon versus D'Amico Ryans, uh, I do think that if, if D'Amico Ryans had not had not uh, lost in, in the NFC Championship game, I think Jonathan Gannon would have had just as good a shot to get the hire, the D.C. from Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I think that, but I think D'Amico Ryans, He's going to be able to mold this team the way he wants it. He's going to get a ton of young players in there right. that he's going to teach that cover three system. Um, whether he, I, I, he I, you're going to know that he's going to take the best linebacker available, and it's a pretty good class of linebackers. You know, I think he's going to start there. I mean, look at the linebackers he had in San Francisco, and then look at himself. Uh, I think he'll start there and on the and on the front line, and then work his way back. They got a couple of really nice secondary pieces in the draft last year and and Stingley and, and Jalen Petrie and who both had nice years for them. But you know, they're a long ways away. And obviously their first choice is going to be a quarterback. Right. But I do think that I do think that they will outfit the rest of their team with front line defensive linemen or linebackers.
1: Um your reaction to Vic Fangio being hired as, as the D C in Miami. Great hire, scary for the teams in that division, isn't it?
0: I mean, he's a godfather of of the defense that he runs. Right. I mean, he he, the, he has figured out in the best way to stop the modern quarterback. So I thought it was a really shrewd move by Miami to do that. They had to get rid of Josh Boyer. They, that was right. That was obvious. And Agreed. to bring in Vic, I also think that it allows Mike McDaniel to lean on Vic in some game management type of scenarios to say, hey, you know, this is another voice that's been a head coach. Yeah, because he could use it. He could use it.
1: Uh,
0: <laughs> right. And he wasn't a great head coach in Denver. Right. But I also think that he wasn't outfitted. with. Uh, there was a tricky situation with Elway running the show and the, and the owner being incapacitated. God rest his soul. And, you know, it's just uh, – it, it was kind of a messy situation in there. I think Fangio provides a, a veteran voice to Mike McDaniel. That could be good for them. Again, I think that they desperately need that because their defense was weak last year. It was weak sauce. But they have some young guys that they can build upon. So, uh, again, good hire by Miami. I think they did the right thing there. It's just going to really depend on the quarterback. Again, we're going to go through the whole offseason talking about Tua.
1: Well, here's a team we don't have to worry about, the quarterback. But I thought this was an interesting hire uh, when the Chargers this week hired Kellen Moore uh, for their <laughs> offensive coordinator job, uh, uh, <laughs> look. Oh, I mean, we so, yeah, but we've seen. Look, we've seen firsthand, time after time, how the Chargers can get leads and then kind of go into a shell and and forget how to play offense. I mean, I, I got to think that Kellen Moore uh, is a step up for the Chargers.
0: I mean. I just, uh, I, I, maybe I'm, you know, facetious. I don't think there's going to be a, uh, a larger cover up of anybody <laughs> than how much covering up Justin Herbert is going to do for this guy. <laughs> I mean, good. Kellen Moore, great move. Yeah. Great move for Kellen Moore. Right. Not so sure for the Chargers. Really? That's what I'll say. Okay. I, uh, yeah. I, I am not a, I'm not a huge Kellen Moore guy. I don't think that he, calls a particularly, you know, strategic game, uh, you know, I, th- I think it's kind of sometimes can can become, you know, kind of sink or swim type of home run hitting offense that he ran in Dallas. And to me, I don't think that Mike McCarthy really liked it either. I thought Mike really didn't want to run exactly. I, I don't think Mike McCarthy would have ran it how Kellen Moore ran it and um, or called it how he called it. And I think putting him and Staley together is just going to be a recipe for disaster.
1: Oh, so uh, I do so not t- I do not like this at all. So you're telling me we're going to have some more yucks next year is what you're telling me.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh. There's not going to be a more <laughs> fun coaching staff to talk about uh.
1: in L.A. Well, you said Mike McCarthy wouldn't have called it that way. Well, it was announced uh, this week that Mike McCarthy is going to be calling the plays for the Dallas offense in 2023. How about that? Mm.
0: And uh, and you know what? I think it probably should have been that way the whole time. Yep. You know, I mean, I, I the guy the guy is you know he's not a stupid guy. He's very very smart, and you can see that he developed like he got them to another level that Jason Garrett could not. Right. You know, I, I and Jason Garrett got them and and they won they won what one playoff game mm-hmm. with him. Yep. Uh, I, I thought their offense was much more dynamic, but again, I think that the scheme of it was great. I don't necessarily think that the offensive play calling was great. So I think McCarthy now is going to be taking over a, a really nice car here in an <laughs> offense that, you know, I, again, we're we're looking at it and saying, oh, Dak Prescott this and Dak Prescott that, and how bad he is and how many interceptions he throws. You know, you still got to give credit to Dallas's offense was one of the better ones in the league. Right. So, you know, I think I think just some fine tuning. It's sometimes we look for, you know, this big strategic move that we have to make in the off season. I don't think it's that way for Dallas. I think it's a little tweak. That's all it needed to be. Well, I think and per- McCarthy going back to calling plays is the way to go.
1: I think perhaps the best thing McCarthy only to me McCarthy has to do one thing offensively, and that's get Pollard more involved offensively. I think that, absolutely. You know, I think if they get him more involved, I mean he he can do so many different things. Um, you know, I think that you know, not just running the football. I mean, I think that that uh, you know, being a receiver out of the backfield. I think he can do so many things. You could see him being. Uh, well, I mean he's not quite Alvin Kamara but you could see him having that kind of role, couldn't you?
0: He looks more like a McCaffrey, a McCaffrey style. McCaffrey, yeah. Okay. To me.
1: Yeah. You know. Yeah. And and
0: well, I've heard a lot of comparisons to he kind of, you know, reminds you, you go all the way back to to the early days of football. He kind of runs like a Gale Sayers type, you know, Whoa. running style. Wow. Uh to me, okay. you know, I I I, I kind of look at him like that and the thing I would encourage him to do, though, is I think Dallas is going to need a power back. Mm-hmm. I, I think they're they're really going to need a power back because Zeke's not going
1: to be there next year. No. There's just no way. I don't think Zeke's um, got. I don't so, think Zeke's got anything left in the tank.
0: Yeah, I, and and the money that he's owed. I mean, it's yeah. ridiculous I, that they, yeah, I agree. they would re-sign him. Yep. So you know, I I think that you know they're going to need somebody to supplement Pollard and not have him be the McCaffrey of Carolina where he's taken 90% of the snaps. I think that he needs to be, uh, you know, the number one guy, but no, hey, we need somebody behind him to be able to shoulder some of that as well.
1: Um, uh, one thing, I just I just thought of a question I meant to ask you when we were talking about Denver, and we were talking about uh, the chances that uh, that they can fix Russell Wilson. Is it possible mm-hmm. that Russell Wilson is – Skills are starting to decline, or do you think this was just not being able to fit into the new system?
0: Uh, I think it was a little bit of Russell Wilson's ego getting in the way of him. Okay. Ah, uh, and then I also think it was the system was bad, okay. and 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 there was a rat inside that. And if you go and look at the last couple of weeks of the season, yep, they actually played a lot better. Yeah, he, yeah, it's so yeah, yeah, and he did, and he did. It's definitely salvageable. There's no question. He's still got the talent. Was he going to be 34. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely still got some, some gas left in the tank here. But the, the clock is running. Let's just put it that way. It is running. So next year, uh, after next year, I'm not so sure. I must take a big leap and he proves that he can play to an MVP level. Right. I don't know. I'm, I would start to get really nervous about that contract.
1: Um, all right, let's get to uh, last week's games, and and we'll start off with uh, the worst game of the day, and which I thought was going to perhaps be one of the best games of the day was the the Philadelphia San Francisco game. And look, um, you know, Brock Purdy ripping his elbow apart early in that game certainly didn't help. But I saw you know during the game uh, you had had a tweet and you said that you weren't sure that even if Brock Purdy hadn't gotten hurt, if they were going to be able to hang with Philly in this game. No, no. Why? I, I, why, 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 I did you, that, why did you feel that way?
0: I just felt that way because if you look at the history of the league, I mean, it's so hard for – there's a reason why rookie quarterbacks have never made the Super Bowl. You know, at, at some point, like, the guy would have had to step up. I'm not saying it would have been as bad as it is. Right. I'm, I'm saying it probably would have been a closer game, no question. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's just difficult – for San Francisco to have to g- get the ball turned over, I mean, God bless them. Look at look at where they were. They were like halfway through the second quarter, down by seven points. Well, that's that's that was my, and
1: it, and they had given up a bunch of turnovers and stuff like that, and had lost their quarterback. This game, so, this game know, was this game was tied midway through the second quarter. It was seven seven. Right. The Eagles scored two right. touchdowns in a, in the final minute and a half. I mean, so right. I, I guess that's why I'm, I'm, I'm not sure why you don't think they could. If, if they had been able to do anything offensively, maybe, I just, I don't know. I just thought it could have been different. Uh, you know, maybe I'm I wrong. I
0: thought just defensive, defensively they just didn't stack up to the offensive line.
1: I, I, I thought
0: they just got manhandled okay. all, all day long on defense. And honestly, you know, at the end of the day, Reddick did make the play true you know yep. he did make the play and 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 they couldn't block him right and that would have been the whole thing now i put a lot of the end of the first half stuff on shanahan i thought shanahan completely did not have his backup quarterback prepared to play at all agreed you know i mean that was a joke yeah and josh Thompson's played for like 70 different teams right i get it <laughs> so i i understand it but you know you got to be prepared to go yeah, and I know he's not. He wasn't going to get any reps. I mean, Purdy needed all the reps he could get. Right. But you got to be prepared out there as a pro. And I, I put it on Shanahan for not having that guy prepared to play because once he was in the game, I mean, the game was essentially over. And then Purdy comes in and they can't throw. So, yeah. you know, uh, it, it was just a mess all around. And and it's part of the reason why the 49ers are in desperate need of a quarterback. Yeah. They need to figure out if Trey Lance is the guy that they that they bargained for. Or if they made a mistake and they need to correct that, like, very, very quickly. Because uh, unless Purdy is going to make a big leap and and Lance can't play and Purdy's going to make a big leap. See, this is where you're playing the game of, like, okay, yeah, we have two quarterbacks, two young quarterbacks. we got to decide on one, though. Right. You know, like, we can't just – that's what we've been doing for the last two, three years is we have been waiting to see, okay, Trey Lance, is he going to be the guy here? And now we have to rely on Jimmy, and Jimmy's been a good stand-in, but there's been no stability at the position for them,
1: none. So they need to figure it out quickly. Could you make the case that the mistake that the 49ers made wasn't that last week? It was several weeks ago when Brock Purdy had to play and they and, and they didn't have a plan B, or, or in that case, I guess maybe it would be a plan C. that they, they had nowhere else to go. Josh Johnson was the best that they had. I mean, is that where they made the mistake, not not finding somebody else then that could step in if they needed him to?
0: No, because how many guys are available at that time? I mean, the fact that Josh Johnson was available, they're on their third quarterback. you got to find your fourth quarterback now. I mean – we had Christian McCaffrey throwing the ball out there because I mean, the 49ers got to change something because every single year they have guys hurt every single year. Just they are one of the most depleted teams by the end of the year. I I don't, I don't know why that is. I wonder if it is a, you know, the the, the fact that they play such a physical brand of football. I don't know. I, I really, I really couldn't tell you, but what I do know is that, Regardless of whether he was in the game or not, the Eagles are just a better team all around. They're more talented. They're more physical up front on the offensive line. The defensive line just gets after you. They're they're too deep. Uh, And you know, I wish we could have seen a better game. I do, but it's not like Philly doesn't deserve this and where they're at. Like they've been the best team all year.
1: Right. Right. Now you can't you can't take anything away uh, from them. I mean, I wasn't, and I wasn't trying to say that it just, you know, and, and one of the reasons I, I, I asked you, why do you think the injuries are the way they are? One of the things that uh, was announced this week, um, the Tennessee Titans are getting rid of their grass field and they're putting in this new, uh, kind of turf. It's, it's not the regular turf that most people play on. It's this monofilament stuff that's got a different kind of fill. It doesn't have a rubber base because they found out in Tennessee, they've done the, the, They've set records the last couple of years, number of players used, and they found out that even visiting players, there's been more injuries suffered on their field than any other field in the NFL. So I'm wondering, is, could the field have something to do with it?
0: I don't know. I, you know, if you ask a player, the player would say, forget this turf. Like, the, the, the players don't want to play on turf. Right. I mean, most of, the, most of the, the, at least the good ones and the vocal ones, don't want to play on turf because they know what can happen. Now, yeah, the grass definitely does slow you down. You're playing at a high rate of speed. There's no question. I don't know if there's been any something I could actually look into is if there's been any studies done on whether grass or turf is is better on for knee injuries or ankle injuries or some type of, some type of injury. Well, but to me, you know, I think it would do, it would be a pretty prudent thing to do for the league to figure out whether that was well, one was the other or one wasn't, you know, so I don't know. I, well, I I don't know if it's their trainers. Again, we talk about that in baseball all the time. Right. The trainer sucks, so we got to get somebody out. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I don't know what it is. Well, I mean, and they, you know, at least in Tennessee, in Nissan Stadium, that's a that's a natural grass surface, and that's why they mm-hmm. deter- that's why they're going to turf is because they determined that that there's been more injuries on their field, not just their team, but other teams that come in to, to, to Nashville, um, and that's why they're going to turf. So, you know, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know. I just, uh, you know, you just but it. And, and it isn't just their quarterbacks that get hurt in San Francisco. They've had a lot of injuries the last few years. Well, why don't we
0: call in an expert from Kentucky? He can tell us all about the bluegrass <laughs> there. It's not far. <laughs> they can just hop over the yeah, border. Right. Yeah, and they can tell us, you good, know, what's better, idea. you
1: know. Great idea. All right, let's get to the Chiefs and <laughs> the Bengals. Um, and I, I hate to start our conversation like this. But have you ever seen worse officiating than was done in that football game? That was <laughs> heinous. There's no defense for the for the officiating in that game.
0: Yeah, I mean, the more things change, the more they stay the same. I, I just, you know, to me, look the the league it, it the problem really is not even so that the the calls are wrong it's that the the game is called differently from week to week mm-hmm. and 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 there's just no consistency right and if we had full time officials we might be able to clean a lot of this stuff up but man i mean it it really is just it's egregious some of these things giving people extra third downs and and all these crazy things yeah. like you know I I think you're right. But at the same time, I don't think there was anything that caught – this was not like Rams Saints a couple of years ago where well, there was no. a blatant calmness. No, no. yeah
1: uh, you know,
0: This was a game – this is a game where, you know, the Bengals just lost their head in the fourth quarter.
1: Yeah, well – They just
0: uh... lost their head in the fourth quarter, now, especially down the stretch. The Chiefs, Chris Jones, was an unbelievable presence. I thought he was the player of the game. They said he had 10 pressures and two sacks. I mean, that's an unbelievable stat. So, you know, to me, I, I think it's just the Bengals in this game lost it. Not, And we could talk about the Osai play and whatever. You know, I mean, right. that was the right call. Oh, it was. And you can Absolutely. blame him, whatever right. you want to say. Right. The so where they lost this game, and I said it as soon as it happened, was what are you doing punting the ball mm-hmm. on a low trajectory right at the punt return? Yep. I mean, what are you doing? I mean, you have 41 seconds, and the Chiefs have no timeouts. Right. And you you bang this thing straight at him. It gets there in like 2.8 seconds. Yeah. Yep. I mean, this is it's horrible. It's all it's just it's complete coaching malpractice to to have that happen, especially after you just lost possible momentum. You got to play for overtime here in a game. By the way, last year that you won in overtime.
1: Right. Right.
0: So I and and once they gave that up I said, It's done. It's well, done. There's just no way.
1: Yeah, I, I thought that the Skymore punt return was, was the play of the game, really. It really was. And I mean no question. and you can argue that the that the referees missed a couple of blocks in the back and you know, they may have, but be that as it may, I, I think you're right. I think the mistake was made punting it right at him. And I'm gonna sound like the old man that I am right now. When I was when I was a young man, back when I used to walk uphill to school both ways, <laughs> they didn't punt the ball at at people. They punted the ball out of bounds. You know, what happened to the days of, you know, the, the old term, the coffin corner kick and all these other things, they didn't let a punt returner beat them. You know, now the the, the plan is, is we're going to kick the ball down the middle of the field and we're going to hope it bounces and we can get the right bounce and we can down it at the one yard line. Instead of trying to kick it out of bounds, we, I think teams are like programmed to kick it at the returners now. Am I, or I, mean, am I just the, an old the, the,
0: man? No, you're, you're a hundred percent right. Like, there are some fundamental truths in football that you have to manage the clock and manage the game. If you give Mahomes the ball, you know, back at the 30 or the 25 or whatever right. it was, good luck with 37 seconds and one timeout, right? Or 38, 36 seconds and one timeout. That's a hell of a lot better chance than him having it at the 50-yard line, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I'll tell you what. I if, mean, if, he, really, and if he if he gets it back at the 25, 30-yard line, and he beats you with 36 seconds at one timeout, you know what you do? You tip your cap, right? You, know, you say,
0: say la vie. Right. You know? I mean, that's what you say. Right. And that's what's so frustrating about it is the coaching well-practice. There's just no good coaches in the league anymore. The coaches don't care about managing the game. They just don't care about it. They care about getting talent on the field and running their offense and sticking their nose in their play sheet with a pink highlighter. You know, that's <laughs> what they care about. And so I, I – that's – and it's sad because, like, you had these great coaches back then, and coaching matters in this league, like it or not. Right. Coaching does matter. The McVays, the Shanahans, the Belichicks, the Harbaugh's, the Tomlins. Those guys are – you know, it, it's, it's hard to find them now because if you go back to the old days and these guys were gods. Right. Gods! I mean, what the Walsh and Gibbs and Parcells and you know all those guys, Dan Reeves. I mean, Marty Schottenheimer. There were some great coaches, great coaches, and and we've just gotten so far away from that because we just subcontract things out. We just say, get an offensive coordinator; he'll run the team, and he can tell somebody to run the defense.
1: You know, that's what we do now. It. it... <sighs> Wow, I, I wasn't expecting that. Uh, uh, would you put Andy Reid in the category of good coaches in the league? Great offensive mind,
0: but again, he's the same way. He screwed up the end of that. He screws up more half, more end of halves than anybody in the league. I mean, he really does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, he just it's 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 like on time. I could set my watch. To, to Andy Reid screwing it up at the end of the first half. it just And that got the Bengals back in the game. So he's not a very good game manager either. Great offensive mind, uh, has led a lot of teams, to, and he's his so good. He might be the best offensive game planner maybe in the history of football, honestly. Wow. To do what he's done, 13 years in Philly, and then he's done all this in Kansas City for what? I don't even know how long it's been, six, seven, eight years? Yep. I mean, it's been it's been incredible what he's been able to do, getting his teams to big games. He's been insane, and he's got his teams to Super Bowls. He's won one Super Bowl. You have to give him credit there. I mean, he's a great offensive mind, but if Kyle Shanahan had a had a Super Bowl under his belt, and that's Kyle Shanahan, we'd be saying Kyle Shanahan is just as good of a coach as Andy Reid. You know? That's fair. So, and I don't know if we consider him one of the best coaches of all time. I don't know if we do or not, do we? So, you know, a little early uh, for that. it's, 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 you know, exactly. It's, 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 it's kind of hard to, to decide on all, all these things. It's just, you know, each coach has its own specialty, but we just have lost a lot of coaching and we lost it in Cincinnati this past week with Zach Taylor doing that. I mean, that, that was egregious. And that's another quarterback that covers up for his head coach's mistakes.
1: Um, well, we're going to get into the talking about the Super Bowl next week, so we're not going to get into that here. But um, the fact that, I mean, I hate the bye week. Having said that, um, <laughs> there couldn't be a better time to have a bye week when you've got Patrick Mahomes who was you know visibly in pain at the end <laughs> of that game, and you've got Jalen Hurts who still isn't 100%. Uh, having that extra week to allow those quarterbacks to get a little healthier Uh, you probably couldn't have asked for a better thing.
0: I'm sure the commissioner is is very pleased that neither of them were knocked out of the game on Sunday. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? um, Because that would have been a disaster. Yeah. Uh, But I think Mahomes and Hurts get those two guys healthy get everybody I mean the the Chiefs need to get a lot healthier as well. Yeah. Uh with the receiver position in particular. Yep. JuJu and Miko Hardman. Yeah, they lost Lane Johnson they, on think, the Eagles side. I think
1: they didn't the Chiefs have like three receivers go out of that game.
0: Yeah, Tony went out yeah. as well. Yeah. So, I mean, there was a lot of injuries on the Chiefs side and then, you know, Lane Johnson needs to be healthier. He came out of the game for a little bit for Philadelphia. So, mm. everybody's going to be bubble gummed and paper wrapped and all those things, (laughs) you know, this entire week the next two weeks. And thank God for that, that bi-week so people can be healthy. I thought Patrick Mahomes earned me, earned a lot of respect from me particular because I've been hard on him and I've been hard on him his whole career. And, uh, you know, now that Brady is gone, he's the new, he's the, I can't really call him the Prince of darkness anymore because, because he's, he runs the league pretty much now. So, you know, to me, Patrick Mahomes could join really rarefied Air Gene. He would become just the sixth player in NFL history to win at least two Super Bowls and two Super Bowl MVPs if he's able to do so. He would also become just the third player in NFL history to win multiple Super Bowls, multiple Super Bowl MVPs, and multiple MVP awards because he's very likely to get it again this Mm -hmm. year. And the only two other guys are named Brady and Montana. Right. So that's rarefied error. Uh, I think if he wins the Super Bowl, we're going to have to start putting him in some top five categories, maybe, in terms of greatest quarterback of all time. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's now on the path. He's now on the trajectory. But I think in terms of most talented quarterback, look, I have always been able to uh, separate most talented and greatest I think that you could say you could never put Johnny Unitas or Joe Montana or even Tom Brady in quote unquote most talented quarterbacks list. You know, I mean, I don't think you could really do that because, you know, there are guys with just so much more skill out there. Right. But quarterback is not about skill when he's talk come to greatness. It's also about, you know, QB intellect. Right. It's also about the will to win, you know. Who was fla- Montana was un- unbelievable mm-hmm. in Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. Brady wins more than anybody. Peyton Manning, I mean, the, the Mr. Fundamental, the Tim Duncan of, of the NFL. He's a champion two times over. Five MVPs, nobody's ever done that. Uh, you know, just set record after record after record. Um, you know, you have all these guys that have done all these things, and, you know, they might not have been the most talented but they definitely are the greatest because there's, there's something to be said about your ability to win. Uh, that's what matters. And it's why a guy like Dan Marino can be put in the talented category but not really in the greatness category because right. you just can't. So I think, I think Mahomes right now, more than anybody since Brady, I think Brady's probably the youngest ever, to put himself quickly in both categories.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, but Mahomes, I mean, five years and five AFC championships, that's hard to do. That's pretty That's impressive. Really hard to
1: do. You know, it's interesting. You you just mentioned Dan Marino and uh, on the cesspool that is Twitter. Uh, one of the comments that I saw not long after the Bengals lost uh, to the Chiefs was, and I think it's way too early to be talking like this, but they were like, "Could Joe Burrow? We could Joe Burrow end up having a career like Dan Marino?"
0: Yeah. Uh. That would be brutal.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it really could yeah. be. Yeah, I, I mean, mean
0: his—he's on that trajectory, isn't he? Because yeah, won, yeah he lost the Super Bowl second year, and, right? You know, he's definitely going to be an MVP candidate for years to come. Can he put it together right. in, a, in a city that historically has not done well and not not you know won any championships? That's yeah. that's a good point. Yeah. I mean. He's got all the talent in the world, but but I look at him and he's got a killer mentality. He really Agreed. does. Yeah. it's just going to be about pay him and get a talented team around him.
1: Well, get a get an offensive line that can keep him upright. I think is half yeah. half the half the battle. Uh, Dan, listen, yep. enjoy the game. Hey, how much of the uh, how much of the Pro Bowl stuff are you watching this weekend?
0: Uh, I'll be watching more of the Senior Bowl and the East-West Shrine game
1: rather that, than watch the, that's what I like you know, hear. Olympic games of the NFL. <laughs> you know, I'm on to the draft, man. We got a team to fix, you know? Right, right. Well, enjoy, enjoy uh, the the bye week, and we will look forward to talking to you next week, and uh, we'll get more in-depth into the Super Bowl next week. Yeah, absolutely, Gene. God bless. Dan Zampano here on Sports Country Radio. That is going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back on Monday with another edition of the Wake Up Call. Hope you all have a great weekend. As I said, those of you up in the Northeast, Please stay warm, those of you down in the Texas area that are listening to us. uh, I hope you get your power back soon. You're probably not listening to us since you don't have power. There's still a couple hundred thousand people without power down in Texas. So stay safe this weekend. We will look forward to seeing you on Monday. We leave you this morning with some music from Willie Nelson. guy's about to turn 90 years old. Just nominated once again for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which makes no sense to me. But here's a little Willie Nelson on our way out. We'll see you Monday.